Good morning, and again, welcome to St. James and our online worship uh, fun. As uh, Mark Hayes said in his uh, Centering Prayer, it is absolutely difficult sometimes to watch, uh, you know, a screen and be present and still have all of the distractions and the things happening in the world, the, the dogs whining at you for food and, you know, all sorts of other things and... It's, uh, it's interesting for us, too, because being here in this place, I feel like it's a little more distraction, distracting to not have the distractions. Like, I, I, hope, that, I hope that you all understand, we, too, are, are, are really missing being here with you. Um, it is so weird to speak to an empty room and to um, have what is usually an exciting and fun and you know, seeing people we haven't seen and catching up um, time that really, really isn't that. And as we kind of get the tech more developed and more situated, you know, our goal is to really figure out creative and, and really useful ways that we can have that type of community um, digitally as well as in person when we um, are really back in this space together. Because, you know, one thing we've learned this year uh, is that it is really hard to gauge and predict um, what's going to happen and, and what will happen. Um, as Mark Hayes said in his centering moment, um, quoting you know, Jesus, which is a good thing to do, um, you know, do not worry about tomorrow. You, know, you really have this, this day here, and you know, not worrying about tomorrow is super easy, and uh, we do that all the time. No, it is absolutely not super easy, and it's, it's, it, it's a difficult thing because at least, you know, for me, and, and coming to church every week and, and, and being a part of this um, worship service that we're trying to really used to be encouraging and, and, and thought-provoking and a time where even though we're in different places, we are together, um, it, is, it is hard not to worry about tomorrow. It's hard not to think, well, what if we do this and we need to do this and the church down the street is doing this, and you know how do we how do we how do we keep going, and and how will we keep going if COVID continues, you know, the way it is? And I think that's a confession that a lot of leadership in in churches and other businesses and and organizations uh, are struggling with, um, because that future is seeming very uncertain, and the things that we thought we could predict and plan and know. Um, just are up in the air. You know, case in point, vacations. Here, here's the summer again, and uh, are we planning vacations or are we not sure? Are we watching flight lists? Are we trying to get vaccinated so we can get out of here? You know, it's one of those things that I know a lot of people really use as a, a motivational tool and as a, you know, sort of like event in their calendar that they, they look towards and then you know, with all of this that's kind of been removed. You can quasi do vacations and, and quasi, you know, take time, but it's, it's not the same. You know, and that's a statement that I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, it's, it's not the same. And uh, it's something that we heard on Christmas Eve when we were doing uh, Christmas Eve worship, and it's, it's something that, you know, we both said and, 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 and heard on Easter last week um, you know, that it's not the same. And for us, Easter is 
usually a, you know, a very, very exciting, everyone's coming in, we go outside and we have an egg hunt and a bounce house because you know, we always have a bounce house if we can have a bounce house. And it's the celebration of resurrection uh, because the resurrection of Jesus is something to be celebrated. And both for us and the disciples, it was to be celebrated because it marked a change from, from one paradigm and one existence um, to another. And, you know, where they may, you know, worship and do all sorts of stuff, you know, we also jump in a bounce house and, and celebrate that. But this year, we, we couldn't. You know, this year, you know, again, it, it, it was different. And I think for a lot of us, you know, if we're honest, um, it was a bit disappointing. You know, and in that hope and in that joy and in that holiday of decorating and, and seeing family, whether it be in person or online, it's kind of, it's kind of disappointing. And I would even say as we start this new series that, that you know, we've titled um, Life Happens, I keep saying life finds a way, uh, and I'll be saying that forever. Same context, it's, you know, it, it, you know life persists and, and, and gets through whatever is, is put in its path. But as, as we start that, you know, what I really want to begin with, kind of in the same way you know, that the disciples um, began that next chapter of their life, is acknowledging that at this moment, following Easter, following the resurrection of Jesus, you know, this unexpected event that everyone thought, you know, the ministry was over. Jesus is dead, he's crucified, he's in a tomb, and people mourned. For three days, people mourned. But then Jesus returned. We talked about that on Sunday where um, Mary you know, saw him, they ran, they told the disciples, most of the disciples doubted them, but you know, a couple of them decided to you know, go for a run and check it out, and someone won, someone didn't. You know, good thing we included that in the text, but it was exciting. Then they told the other disciples, the disciples were happy, and then what? Because what that meant for the disciples was, all of the stuff that Jesus was saying and all of the ministry that he was doing and the, and the stuff he was saying about his father, they had thought that that had, had ended. But then it turns out that it's even more true than they could even imagine. Jesus was the Messiah, is the Messiah. All of the prophecy and, and things that they have heard in their traditions and in their stories, in, in, in their scriptures that existed at that point, pointed to this man who rose from the dead. And I think that exciting moment is hard to really fathom for us all the time because until we see someone you know, who was dead raise, um, it, it, you know, it's hard to it, you know, unlock those emotions. But I think in that way, we can identify with them because when Jesus, you know, when we encounter Jesus in you know, moments where we are you know, we feel like we, you know, we're guilty and, and we're unloved and, you know, we, we pray and, you know, there's Jesus showing us a love that we can't even describe. Or when, you know, we think all is lost and, you know, we sort of do that last ditch. Well, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but if you, you know, if you're there, help me out and, and God shows up. Like, that is like a hot shot of possibility. 
Because for me, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical on a lot of things, and I tend to be more, you know, quote unquote logical, whatever that means. And you know, you know, one plus two equals three, and all of that stuff. But when I experience things where you know Jesus shows up, or that seems to defy my logic, as logical as I am, I would take those moments any day because it is so exciting and it's so full of possibilities. And so I just as we begin and we read the scripture and we start this series, you know, with, with the disciples, you know, at this moment, uh, Jesus has, you know, resurrected, Jesus has returned, and there is this slew of possibilities in front of them. Are we going to keep doing ministry? Are we going to keep doing, you know, what we've been doing? Are we going to do more? Are we going to travel to Rome? Are we going to do this? It's, it's, you know, it's kind of all on the table, I feel like, and, and their minds are just going. It's like if someone, you know, if I said to you, hey, you know, I know you've been struggling financially, but I'm going to give you, you know, $10 million, do with whatever you will, you know, or that, oh, if I won the lottery, you know, hypothetical, your mind just, just goes. And there's an excitement um, beyond that. And it's also a little sad when, when, you know, that reality comes in and you realize, oh, you know, I really didn't win the lottery. Unfortunately, I can't do all of those things. Um, and then there's that disappointment. Anyway, I just want to be at that place as, as I read this text because getting into the heads of the disciples and identifying ourselves with them and, and where they're at, I think can prepare us for this series and, and whatever we discuss as we move into it, understanding and, and trying to be more aware of how life happens um, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the death. As the song you know, we sang earlier, regardless of the fact that this seems like a pile of bones that have no life whatsoever, somehow the Spirit of God can breathe into that and create life. You know, in that graveyard, life happens. Anyway, I'm going to read this, this scripture, and this is really at the end of this sort of Eastery story. Um, Jesus has interacted with the disciples. The Different authors of the Gospels have different stories and different ways they describe it. Um, but here we are at this end, and this is in the beginning of the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts really is the turning point from the Gospels into the ministry of, of the disciples and sort of that next, next sort of paradigm. And so it says, when they had come together, and that's the disciples and Jesus, and I'm sure a slew of other people that, as James likes to note, don't get the mention, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Lord, we've been suffering under this oppression of, of Rome. You know, we've been suffering under the fact that, you know, we're the other in this, in this circumstance, and we're not the ruling power. And we're taxed, and, and we're beaten, and we're taken advantage of, and... We read these texts that say, you know, the Messiah will come and the Messiah will restore the nation of Israel. And, you know, the nation of Israel that has this pride of, of the people of God, um, this land that they were promised, and, and this, this land that they view really in connection with who God is to them. And going through all of this struggle, hearing all of the stories of their ancestors' struggle, the disciples see the Messiah, the Messiah, re, you know, resurrects from the, from the dead, and so... They're excited, and they're like, all right, we've gone through it, Lord. Is it time? Will we now restore the kingdom of Israel, and, and will we bring about, you know, sort of my paraphrase is what we see as the next step, what we're expecting, 
what, what we are so excited about because we see the possibility of your power more so than we ever did before. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So basically he says to them, like, again, paraphrase, but you're kind of getting ahead of yourself and this is not your place. We can talk about that more, but you know, that's my take on it. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And following these things that he said to them, as they were watching him, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heaven as he went, two men stood with them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into the heavens? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So it's a short text and quite possibly a story that you know, we've, we've told and we've, we've narrated on. We love quoting also the um, witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth um, and, and really using that as an example of this kind of rippling ministry um, that, that Jesus it kind of ignites at this point and that spreads even to us. But what I just want to take a little bit of time of, of focus on, focusing on is this interaction and the, I wouldn't say the solution, but the, the, the way that Jesus says, it's not this, but it's actually going to be this. And disciples have no idea what that means. They don't understand what the Holy Spirit coming down means. Pentecost hasn't happened yet. And this is sort of in this in-between time of, Jesus was resurrected, it's super exciting, and now what? Are we gonna do this? No, we're not gonna do this, but this is gonna happen instead. And I sort of, as I was reading the text, I sort of had this picture, and this is what I would do, you know, it, so I'm not judging the disciples, but you know when people are on the road and there's an accident or anything's going on, there's a deer on the side of the road, who knows something, and all of a sudden just traffic just stops to a standstill because everyone is just like, watching whatever that is. It's not the same thing I know, but I just see those, those disciples almost like, I guess, rubbernecking is the term, rubbernecking in the sky being like, what's going to happen next? You know, Jesus, I just saw this cloud take up this guy who raised from the dead. Like, I'm stuck here. I don't want to miss it. I'm going to keep watching. To the point that, you know, there had to be these other two people, angels, whatever they are, to show up and say, it's time to move along. Like, this is, this is not what, what you should be doing. He will return, but your, you know, your sort of path and, and where we're guiding you is, is to do something different. And I think as we end sort of the Easter time, the celebration, and end it in a way that was weird, you know, was kind of, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say disappointing, but, you know, it's true. It's disappointing sometimes. I want to kind of ask ourselves, what now? You know, we're standing there. We've celebrated and, and worshipped and remembered this, this moment of resurrection and really seeking to continue to celebrate it. But, but what are we to do now? Um, we're, we're kind of locked in our houses, some of us. 
um, locked in our states, feel very stuck and, and our hands are tied. While at the same time, though, remembering and celebrating Easter, we have this excitement of possibilities. Because if we truly believe that, you know, Jesus came down to earth as a baby, which defied expectation already, did all this awesome stuff, and then, and then was resurrected, there is this slew of possibilities that could happen, even for us right now in this moment. Um, I know James likes to tell personal stories of his early ministry life, and, you know, it's just true. We all make dumb mistakes sometimes, and we all think we're better than we are. And uh, one of the, the first time I ever preached... Um, First time I ever had the opportunity to preach was uh, actually an Easter Sunday, believe it or not. Just for any future pastors and ministry people, opening up on Easter for your first time is not a good idea. There's a lot of pressure that's tied to that. And while your initial church community is maybe some, somewhat of a size, the Easter church community is a bunch of people you don't know, you know, sometimes. And as a, uh, I don't know, how old was I? 20s, 20s, 20s kid who thought he knew everything, standing there, you realize you don't. Anyway, so I was preparing this, this sermon thinking that I'm going to rock it. You know what I mean? I'm going to start a new reformation. And, you know, I'm talking, I'm doing, and I'm, people are going to come up and we're going to do the customary handshake, you know, thanks for the message. And anyway, I don't know how people took it quite honestly, but they didn't take it like that. They, they were very encouraging, but you could tell you know, thanks for, thanks for being here. You know, thanks for trying. Thanks for opening up your heart. And while I'm sure there were some gems in that sermon, it was certainly not, you know, what I had envisioned and certainly not the effect that I had, had envisioned for it, um, which was kind of a bummer, you know? You re there's a passage in Acts where uh, Peter and, might be John, I don't know, don't quote me on it, but... I'll be like John and say the other disciple, Peter and the other disciple were preaching and they got called in by, by the law, the Sanhedrin, and they basically were, said, hey, you can't do this. And then it says that the spirit gave them words to say. And, and the, the, the Sanhedrin who were, who were super educated and super you know, knowledgeable on the text were just blown away by these fishermen who had, you know, you know, this much class, you know, kind of deal. And, you know, it says that they, they left praising God for, you know, how, how the, what the Spirit had done. You know, and why would I not think that I wouldn't be the same? I'll just show up, and the Spirit's going to move, and this is going to be super cool. Well, you know, it didn't happen that way, quite honestly. Um, but what did happen uh, that, was, um, that, that was a game-changer for me, and that really did change the trajectory of my ministry, and I'm going to get a little mushy at the moment, but was that my wife, who's here and probably super embarrassed at this point, said to me, you know, I really doubted that you were called to ministry. I didn't believe it. I thought that this was super untrue, and you were super, this was not your gifting. This is not what you should do. But after listening to that, I, I think it is. I, I think it is. And she has told this story to a number of people because most people tend to have those same reservations sometimes, and that's fair, you know. If they saw Peter on the street, I'm sure they'd have that same, those same doubts. And 
But it was at that moment for me, I didn't realize it, but it was the real turning point, not in a reformation that I'm gonna change the world at this moment, but that that spirit and that, that encouragement or that sort of fire that then, that sparked and ignited changed the trajectory of, of, of what I was doing and what I was called to do in my ministry. And I certainly wasn't perfect from then on. I've made billions and billions and billions of mistakes and I continue to experience grace in ways that I didn't even know existed. Um, but what was clear to me was opening up that time and being and seeking to be perceptive um, to, to Jesus, to, to the Spirit, and to be used in a way that I thought was going to be something um, was, actually, was actually something different. And I don't want to go you know, too long into the disciples and all of the stuff they, they did or they, you know, they, they didn't do and, and all of that stuff, but what becomes clear is that their expectation of starting this revolution that was going to sort of restore Israel and which would be also subjugating other people and, and switching the balance of power was not at all what Jesus had in mind and was not at all what Jesus was putting on their hearts to do. But what he did have in mind was something that would transform them in order to transform the world and restore Israel in a way that they couldn't even imagine. Israel being, you know, the people of God. Uh, people like, you know, Peter, who has a number of books in the Bible, people like Paul, people like John. You know, we read this text so frequently, and it's often easy to not see them as fallible men. You know, people who probably had a lot of expectations for Jesus that weren't met. People who were frustrated and people who were um, wrong. You know, I feel like Peter gets the raw end of the deal sometimes because 90% of the things that the disciple does wrong, it's Peter. It's usually someone else saying that Peter did it wrong, but Peter is that guy that's like, this is going to be great, we're going to do this, and then it's like, no, Peter, no, that's not how we do it. That's not how it's going to go. Um, but anyway, I feel like there's a lot of Peter in each one of us, and in starting this series, which is going to look at the ways that life continues in different stories in scripture and different situations, what I want to do at this moment is sort of be honest um, with ourselves and be honest um, with God. You know, Easter has happened. Um, we are ex excited about resurrection. We're excited about what God can do through us and, and around us. And, and having that spark of possibility um, also leads to expectations. And so as we sort of progress into, you know, our Acts narrative, into our, you know, sort of next stage of ministry, I, I think it would be good just to take a moment and sort of be honest about the ways that we feel disappointed and the ways that we feel like our expectation of Jesus um, was not met. It may have been shifted entirely. It may have been something that works out in the end and it makes sense, um, but... I think we carry a lot of that with us. And in moving to the next series and talking about life that flows despite darkness and despite death, there is a need for us to sort of be honest about the times that we feel like, God, I really feel let down. And that's not wrong. That is not, you know, sinful. 
In fact, it's quite biblical to get frustrated with God a little bit. And it's even more biblical to tell God you're frustrated with God. Uh, if you read the Psalms, David is, you know, a little angsty, you know, a little annoyed. He had dreams and thoughts, and this is, there's frustration. There's, life is not going as he, as he meant it to go. And that's part of the journey. And that, that is part of us getting to a place where we can walk outside and see life happening despite all the difficulties. A place where we can see the value even in meeting online and see that that's reaching so many people we didn't even know we could reach. And that when we get out of that sort of woods and we can be in person and online, the amount of people that we can encourage and show love to is going to be exponential by comparison. Anyway, I'm just going to open up just, just, a, just a, a silent moment to just sort of allow for just you to acknowledge, even in your mind, you can say it out loud. It's super powerful if you say it out loud. Um, but just acknowledge anything that's on your heart right now that you feel sort of let down in and that expectations just were not met. And it is, it is causing you to be unable to really be open to that gift of the Spirit that, um, that they're talking about next. Lord, at this moment, we just acknowledge things that didn't go the way that we thought they would go, times where we thought you would show up and it feels like you haven't, moments that we saw you move and that seeing and that realization of your power and your truth caused us to then move to the next stage and to the next level. And we were ready, we were willing, we were going, and it, it just didn't happen. That's frustrating to us. That is difficult for us to get over to the point that it is even now impeding us possibly from being open to trust again. Being open to say, you know, fill this place with your spirit and fill us with your spirit and use us um, because we have doubts and, and, and we have just things that are unsettling to us. So Lord, at this moment, we ask you to enter into this space with us not so much remove the doubts, but help us to see them clearer and help us to see how those situations and those circumstances can be used um, to do what your text says, which is spread your love, not just in this immediate place, but in ways that we can't even imagine. Lord, we just declare in this moment that you are not a God who reaches out your hand to afflict, um, but a God who reaches out to hold the hands of those who are afflicted and lead them into the paths and the opportunities and the ways that life happens. Help us to experience that presence that you bring. Help us to reflect that presence that you bring. And at this moment, we just really release our hold on those things that are just 
weighing down on us. Amen. It's kind of weird, and maybe you've got to do it a couple times. I have to do it pretty regularly sometimes and just take that space and, and, and really acknowledge and then let go. Um, but it's very freeing, and it, and it very much opens up for something else and something better. Uh, we're about to sort of finish our, our, our time together, you know, here in the message, but I just want to just reflect on, on one more thing as we begin this next series. They, the text emphasizes this idea of the Holy Spirit, and it is where, whatever your background, they usually say something different about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, you know, either on the fringe of heretical or, you know, the Holy Spirit is the end-all, be-all, you know. And I think for us, it is important as we talk about these, you know, stories and these examples to really help, really help, use them to help define what that Spirit is and how it's moving in our lives. Scripture describes the Holy Spirit as a comforter. Scripture describes the Holy Spirit as an intercessor, as one that decodes, you know, what God's saying, the one that, um, you know, allows our prayers to be heard. It describes the Holy Spirit as, as a power that allows us to prophesy, allows us to really, you know, get something called what is a word of knowledge, where we, you know, really feel something, that, that God is telling us something that, you know, maybe we just didn't hear from anybody, but, you know, it's true, like, oh, I really feel like, I need to pray for joy, so I'm going to reach out and pray for joy, and it turns out there was a big reason that I needed to. There are a lot of cool and crazy things that, that both Scripture and even tradition um, speaks to about the Holy Spirit, and I think that's going to be pretty influential in how we're able to see life happen. Because that Spirit is, is what took that moment of, we're going to have a revolution, now Jesus is out into then, but look at all of what's going to happen. Look at what Jesus had in store this whole time. And we're now enabled a bunch of fishermen or tax collectors or people who, you know, are always, you know, sort of initially deemed unworthy to, to change the fabric of history and, and to really get us to the point where we're at now. So just as we go, I, I encourage you to Reflect on, again, moments where you might feel a little let down or a little like expectations were not meant, genuine expectations that were you know, based on excitement and possibility. And, and really open yourself up to say, you know, God, what, what am I missing? Scripture can be helpful for that, reading text and reflecting, seeing that you know, chances are something you're struggling with, um, there was someone who struggled with it, not only in scripture, but somewhere else. And, and understanding and learning from those stories. Uh, prayer, taking time to just be open and, and honest with God and, and saying, you know, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling annoyed, I really need your spirit to be present here. Or I'm feeling conflicted or, or unsure about what I'm, you know, I'm going to do next and I need your guidance. Uh, I, I included something called actions of, of love. And the way that I, I see that is, like I said earlier, this, this way of acting, uh, you know, prophetically in a sense. Even if things 
don't seem like they're adding up the way that you feel like they should, or even if you feel like that word that God has said, like the restoration of Israel, maybe the restoration of something in your life hasn't come to pass yet. I can worship and I can act in a way that, that really praises that, regardless of the circumstances. I know it sounds difficult, and it certainly is, but when people see that joy and that love and, and the actions that you take because of that, the generosity that you have, the, the, the presence that you bring, it is, it's life-changing. And then the last thing is just humility. Having, having the humility to know and accept that perhaps I don't have all the answers. Perhaps I don't know what's best for, you know, the church, let alone, you know, myself. And in having that humility and being willing to be open to the guidance of the Spirit, the guidance of others, and, and you know, that presence of Jesus, all of these things take what was once a, you know, expectation that failed or a disappointment and, and leads to something we didn't even know existed. So we're going to move into just a short prayer time and, you know, pray for not only what's going on in our world and, and what's happening um, all around us, but just pray for each other in our community to take what seems like a disappointing time, to take what seems like an uncertain time, that seems like a time where there is no life happening, but to have wisdom and sight and the, you know, the impact of the Holy Spirit to allow us to see life happening. And this is a process. That's why it's a series. It's not going to be tomorrow that all of a sudden you have all the answers. Uh, it'd be super cool, and if it happens, you know, let me know. But if it doesn't happen, know that that is the journey we're all on. And that's the journey we'll be on for the next couple weeks as we look at different stories and situations where in most unexpected ways and seemingly impossible ways, um, there was life. So anyway, let's just take a moment of, of prayer together. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this time and this worship. We thank you for your presence and we thank you for the, the unexpected nature of Jesus. The fact that we can read the words of Jesus that say, you heard it said, but I say, and think that that doesn't apply to us sometimes is, is pretty crazy. Um, but Lord, we just acknowledge when we're frustrated. We acknowledge when we feel disappointed. But Lord, we just ask that you, in your presence with us in those moments, give us the guidance, give us the comfort, and give us the tools that we need to see life happening and and paths forming, and opportunities occurring. Help us to not be closed-minded or help us to not be dismissive. Help us to be honest with ourselves and with other, others when we're feeling like that, but be able to move through that and progress into an existence that sees life around us instead of death. Anyway, Lord, we celebrate your son we celebrate his presence on the earth. We celebrate his insanely unexpected birth, his ministry that was at every turn tried to stop and dissuade. 
and we celebrate the fact that he was both crucified and resurrected in order to repair a relationship with us. And so whatever it is that's on our hearts right now, whatever it is that we are laying before as a prayer, um, we pray that, and we pray it in, in the way that you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Mm -hmm.